You're listening to Band Geek with Richie Castellano on the Riotcast Network. Riotcast.com. What's up, guys? Richie here, and this is Band Geek episode 60. Our special guest today is Hanan Rubenstein. Uh, now, before I even go into explaining how I know Hanan, I'm going to read off his Wikipedia page. Hanan Rubenstein has worked with artists such as Kanye West, Motown's Funk Brothers, Roy Hargrove, DMX, Rita Ora. He's currently the touring guitar player with Alicia Keys. He's worked with Pharrell Williams, Bonnie Raitt, Carol King, John Legend, David Byrne, James J.T. Taylor, Keisha Cole, Nas, Ellie Goulding, Jadakiss, KRS-One, Jeff Richmond, and Jennifer Hudson. Holy shit. So uh, Hanan is definitely an accomplished musician. Uh, he's an incredible guitar player, an awesome producer, an amazing engineer, and uh, we had a lot of fun having him here. And we were actually here for over two hours recording. So we're going to cut this one up into two episodes. This is part one, and we do a lot of philosophical music conversing, and we even play some jazz, which was a lot of fun, especially to hear Hanan, how great he is at playing jazz, uh, paired with Anne-Marie singing jazz. That was a real treat, and I know you're going to enjoy that. And then, in part two, we totally shift gears, we get a little sillier, which is typical band geek, and we explore the R&B side of things, which is what Hanan does most of the time, and he's really freaking good at it. I met Hanan at Purchase College. I was sort of graduating as he was coming in, and I remember being impressed then by his guitar playing, and he's only gotten better. It's scary. I think you're really going to like it. So before we get started, let's take care of some business. Please continue to support BandGeek by using our Amazon link. Go to riotcast.com bandgeek and hit the Amazon banner at the top of the page before you do your shopping. So before you add anything to cart, click on that one link. And then a small percentage of your purchase goes to supporting our show. It helps us out immensely, and we really appreciate you doing that. One thing I should mention before we start, we were jamming on a squeeze song called Black Coffee in Bed before we started recording, and we got stumped on one of the chords, and it was hilarious as we were trying to figure it out. So I started recording in the middle of that. So that's what you're going to hear at the top of this episode. So hope you enjoy it. Episode 60 with Hanan Rubenstein. You have this on your phone? Well, I don't even know what the song it is. It's Black Coffee in Bed. I got it. It's a song that we're learning at the beginning of the podcast and we're not going to play. <laughs> this is the best. I, I started recording already because this is this, this is, is gold. I got to go to the fast forward to the chorus. Okay. Here it is. 
Okay, so what chord is that though? You know what the bass does. What is the what is the bass uh, now? F. That's an F. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it goes up. The chord goes up as the bass goes down. So what chord are you playing? No, it's it's yeah. No, no. What chord are you playing now? She's gone. It's D with an F sharp in the bass. Try it. Try G major. It could be like D minor with an F. Sus. D minor with an F. D minor with an F. Try, Try D minor. Damn you, squeeze. Damn you, squeeze. It's freaking brilliant. What is it? Wait, wait. What is it? It's an F. Yeah. It's like an F. Uh, it's the F with the B and the D, so it's like a. So it's like. What is it? What chord is that? Yeah, G7. right. That sounds right to me. No? Yeah. It's a G7 second inversion. Third inversion. Uh, third inversion. Third inversion. Well, if you look at the schematics of the chords, if you look at the transcription of the, the music, and you'll see that the inversion is it's like the second or third inversion. I'm not sure precisely. Welcome to, on that note, welcome to Band Geek. What you've just heard is us uh, muddling through the... Uh, we, we were just jamming as we were starting, and we were playing Black Coffee in Bed, and none of us could figure out what that chord was. And now we probably still don't know what it is, but... We're looking matter. at the schematics and inversions. <laughs> <laughs> Has anyone ever said that to you, schematics of inversions? No, but we, uh, we, that's what we're looking at. <laughs> Third inversion, second inversion... <laughs> That's brutal, man. That's so good. <laughs> it's so good. I'm Richie Castellano. Uh, joining us today is, is uh, or joining me today, is my co-host, Jarrett Pressman. Happy Woo-hoo. Back to the Future Day, everybody. Oh, that's right. Did it happen? Did it happen? This is it? Today. Yes, it happened when we were eating dinner and you didn't oh. believe me. We're in the thick of it. We are. They arrived at 4.29 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, which on the East Coast, oh. where we are, is 7.29 p.m. We're all doing nerd voice today. This is, well, this is my normal voice, but that's pretty much it. I was also pushing up invisible glasses. <laughs> Mine are quite Man. visible, sir. On drums, we have Andy Ascolise. Ascolise. Yeah. Yeah. That's how my phone says his name. Really? Andy Ascolise. On keyboard, Vin Innocente. Innocente. Not so Innocente. <laughs> On vocals, my wife, Anne-Marie Castellano. My, it sounds too Italian. Our ninja in the shadows, Brandy Metaxas. Brandy! Brandy. Is your mic even on, Brandy? Nah, it's fine. We don't need it. We don't need it? My mic usually gets Brandy in yeah. there. Um, and like our special, special guest today. Hey, now. Mr. Hanan Rubenstein. Yeah. So... It's a good idea to tell our listeners who the guest is before I just start learning songs or going into it. Eh. They trust us, right? You guys trust us? Yeah. Hanan's awesome. I'm with the band. (laughs) Um, Geeks. Hanan is an incredibly talented guitarist, engineer, producer, and just overall amazing musician. I got to come here more often. This is great. We've actually been complimenting you all night. Yes. We're like, wow, look at his shoes. Look at his guitar case. Oh, well, God bless you. <laughs> look at his perfectly chiseled beard. Mm. <laughs> wow. Someone separate them. <laughs> um, 
I met Hanan at Purchase College. Mm. Where what did you what did you take in Purchase College? What did you study? It was a hybrid of uh, all kinds of things. Like what was your degree in? Like studio comp. Technically. Oh, so you were studio. Okay, but I dipped into uh, the jazz world and the engineering stuff and uh, orchestration and yeah schematics. Of very <laughs> 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 um, so yeah, because I just remember you playing really you know great. Uh, well, overall guitar, but jazz guitar, particularly in in purchase. I just tried to be like you. No, I played. <laughs> I, I was such a bad. I'm still a, such a terrible jazz guitar player. But I would just like I knew that that one lick that I would play and throw my teachers off. Like, oh, he could play jazz. Like, not really. <laughs> Actually, no, I'm just playing Donna Lee backwards. No, there's <laughs> there's one uh, there's one story. I'm gonna I'm gonna just go on a on a little uh, side story here. Um, Andy and I. Uh, when we were in high school together, they started like this small jazz ensemble that it was me, you, Chris Kuffner, and there was a drummer, I can't remember. Chris Kuffner is a bad boy. Yes, yes he is. And a very nice man. Very bad boy, <laughs> nice man. See what I did there? <laughs> so hey. Andy's been playing jazz piano since he's two. Um, Chris is a great jazz bass player. I knew nothing about jazz, so we used to play, and I would play whatever my bullshit was over the jazz songs. And then, and then, and then one day, I learned how to play like a dominant seventh arpeggio or something. And and our teacher Ray Scro, um, we're, we're playing, and I'm taking a solo, and he stops. He goes, "Hey, you learned a jazz lick. Good for you." <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> so I brought that lick to college with me, and it served <laughs> and, me well. And you fooled and everyone. I fooled them all, <laughs> and they gave you a minor in it. <laughs> Nothing's well, worse than like being on a session, and then somebody starts playing jazz licks, and you're like, "Oh, there goes another jazz guy again." <laughs> That's the worst bummer of all. Do you do you like keep that a secret, and unless it's like needed? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I like paying bills. Man. <laughs> so. So this is a question we ask there a lot of... There are only so many brunches to play. <laughs> right. What did, <laughs> what did the rock musician say to the jazz musician? What? Airport, please. Oh. Okay. Oh. Sorry, jazz musicians. Well, I, I like love that jazz. It's wonderful. Jazzy rim shot. That's very, very Yeah, good the jazzy rim shot was a nice touch. So um, this is a question I ask a lot of our guests. So are you trained in the dark arts of jazz? <laughs> I, you know, I, I am and I'm not, you know, and stuff like that. Um, now, did you did you actively study it at all? Did you have like yeah, a teacher yeah. that you know, like who who were your uh, or did you have a jazz guitar teacher or a yeah. bunch of them or? Jazz I, used, I used to go uh, uh, and hang around George Benson's house and like. Oh, that's just that's pretty like, good. <laughs> <laughs> and I would just pretty much try to like pick up anything from like cooking to driving to like anything he did. I tried to become him. So okay, I'm gonna just rewind this story for yeah. a second. <laughs> How'd you end up at George Benson's house? It's a long story, but he he was definitely one of my mentors, and uh, still is. I just had I just uh, had a nice dinner with him and my new wife the other the other Congratulations. week. Congratulations! Thank you. Yes, I'm married. You just got married. What yes. happens to your old wife? No, there was never an old wife. I picked once, and they picked well, and I and, could not uh, have picked any better. And I saw your honeymoon pictures on uh, Facebook, I think. Yeah, and the face page. It looked amazing. <laughs> Great photos. Where, where were you? Bali. Wow. Oh, yeah. I want to go to that. Bluest water I've ever seen in, in a photograph. Mm. Amazing. You hate water. I yeah. do. <laughs> Water's for idiots. I like looking at it in pictures, but I don't like actually being in it. Then when he's near it, he just kind of like... 
Um, I have a George Benson story, uh, which is not as cool as your George Benson story, but I'm going to tell it because <laughs> I have to kill an hour. Um, so we, uh, we, uh, I was at the oh, NAMM We show. could learn another squeeze song for 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm debating whether or not to keep that, that, that in the podcast. A long time. Go on with your George Benson story. Um, I was at the NAMM show and uh, my dad told me, hey, uh, if you want to go on early... Oh, the NAMM show, for those of you who don't know, is a convention uh, for new music products. It stands for the National Association of Music Merchants. Break it down, Richie. That's right. (laughs) And what it's really for is people like uh, my dad who own music stores and they get to see the new product lines and all the uh, companies show their new instruments or new pieces of gear. Fine man he is. Sorry to interrupt. Yes, thank you. Uh, And... But they have, you know, famous artists and their endorsees there to, you know, pimp the products pretty much. So Ibanez was making a brand new George Benson signature guitar, beautiful guitar. And they had a dealer only, like special, like sit down with uh, George Benson. So my dad's like, hey, you want to go to the show a little early and go, you know, check out George Benson? I was like, yeah. So uh, we're sitting there, we're standing there and George Benson's. You know, he's not even playing pretty much. He's just like, you know, showing his guitar. It has 20 frets. It has this, you know, check out these inlays, these pickups I selected. Very, you know, and it was it was cool. And, and then he goes, who wants to play it? And I was like, I'm not playing in front of George Benson. And then as soon as the thought hit my head, I felt a hand in the, my back push me towards the front of the little stage you're sitting in. And George Benson was like, oh, here you go. And I turn around and look at my dad. And I'm like, fuck. <laughs> I definitely saw that on YouTube. (laughs) (laughs) It's on YouTube. You could watch it. It, And I'm like... Is it? It is on YouTube. Sorry. I didn't post it it because I'm like... Because that was a fuck (laughs) moment for me. Sorry, did I just blow up your spot? (laughs) No, you didn't. I told the story. So, Um, But I had to play in front of George Benson. I was like, I'm just going to play something as simple as possible so I don't make an ass out of myself. You sounded great. It was fine. Thank you. There was a pause in front of great, so I don't know if it was really great. <laughs> you know. So that sounded great. It could have been a good, lot worse. <laughs> I think your your worst day is a lot of other people's best day. So. I, yeah, it, it, it definitely could have been worse. I, uh, I could have like tried to do something fancy, which I didn't, thank God. And then uh, George Benson was like, oh, someone likes Joe Pass. You know, I was like, okay. <laughs> That didn't say, like, someone sucks ass, which it could have been much worse if you said that. But he said, Joe Pass. I'll take Joe Pass. And then uh, and then I gave the guitar back to him. Because at that point, you're like, all right, I have this guitar. What is the minimum amount of time I have to play this guitar to not look like a punk before I hand the guitar back to Joe Pass? So I think I was, like, counting. I, I, think, I think before I started, I was like, one chorus of the blues. Okay, you know. And when I got to the end, I was like, here you go. Thank you. Uh, but that was a very uh, scary moment. But so you're you're at Joe Pass's house. Uh, Joe Pass, you're at um, uh, George Benson's house. George Joe Pass. If you could be at Joe Pass's house, that would be amazing. Because that'd you, be another residence. That I'd would like be another realm of existence. Mm, yeah. That'd be on the plane of his existence, right? Mm-hmm. But you're at um, you're at George Benson's house. So does he like pick up a guitar and say, "Yo, Hanan, check this out"? Pretty much. Really. And you know, the hardest thing that I had to learn, or I should say, the best thing I learned is not to try and become someone else because I wanted to be George Benson so bad for about two years. Now I realize, you know, there's already a George Benson, so i got to figure out this guy. <laughs> that's, that's amazing. So, I mean, okay, so... You see so many people who want to be, like, the next Jimi Hendrix or the next Steve Ray Vaughan, and those guys, that, that slot's been filled. I, I feel like... Um, 
when you try to now this is in my personal experience you'll never actually emulate a person and if if you try to emulate a few people you'll you might actually stumble on your own voice that's true in, in doing that um i the, call that trial by imitation mm. uh, uh, like copyright. i i want to play so bad like brian may um but I, I don't have the discipline to sit there and play like Brian May. So it's just, you know, me, when I play something and I sound like, I guess, me, in my head I'm pretending I'm Brian May. But it doesn't sound like Brian May. You know, just like, you know what a great example of that is? Um, Eddie Van Halen thinks he's playing like Eric Clapton. I swear. When, that's what he says. When, Eric, when, when Eddie Van Halen picks up a guitar, he says, I'm playing Clapton licks. He thinks he's in Cream. He doesn't. He doesn't. You know, it's like you know, you're you're playing very fast and you're tapping, sir. He's like, no, I'm playing. You know, he 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 thinks he's like a cross between uh, Eric Clapton and Alef, Alex Lifeson, which is, I guess, that's a that's what yeah, Van that's Halen would sound of, like. Yeah. That's, that's what it would be. But you know what's another uh, a similar analogy to that is we. I, I said this on the last podcast. We've started uh, working on our next Tiger's Fang movie. I don't know if you've seen these, Hanan. I do a series of bad kung fu movies uh they're comedy but they're only comedy because they're bad i'm actually trying to do them good <laughs> and that's the same idea because you know is it like a like a martial arts sharknado type deal yeah yeah it's you know Dude. badly dubbed uh, dialogue um and and the funny thing is it's, it's all musicians in the in the movie so, so where we, was my invite we're doing some more so hey, you get an invite count me in <laughs> Are you interested in the martial arts? Uh, yeah, I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready. Um, so we were filming this one scene, and someone said, "Oh, I'm going to walk all funny." And I was like, "No, no, no! You can't try to be funny. You have to. We have to take this completely seriously. And it's funny because we suck so bad at doing this that it's you know you you have to be sincere, and then it'll come across. And that's another thing that I think carries over to music. You have to be sincere in your intentions. Like if you're just saying. You know, if you're trying to do a George Benson impersonation, it's going to come out like a George Benson impersonation. If you're trying to, like, embody him, it might come out as something else, you know? And it might, you might surprise yourself. Yeah. You know that uh, this young kid, Joey Alexander, you guys know who that is? Mm-hmm. He's, like, uh, I think 10 or 11. He's an unbelievable piano player. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. <clears throat> and uh, he plays all his own stuff. Can I curse here? Yeah. Can I say yeah. shit? Yeah, you can. So he plays all his own shit. <laughs> and uh, someone asked him, dude, where did you learn all of this? And his answer was kind of like what you said. He said, I would, I'm playing what I think like uh, Chick Corea or Herbie would play, but they haven't played this particular piece. So he kind of like extrapolates what he think they would do, thus creating his own thing, like his, his own blend. And, and, that's dope, like embodying someone's spirit and then taking it on its own run. It's sort of like um, Jarrett. Like we watched that um, I Know That Voice thing. Mm-hmm. And this is completely analogous to, to you know guitar playing or music. Good word. You like that word? Mm. I looked that up before we started today. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to fit that in the podcast. <laughs> I'm going to show these motherfuckers. Anyway. Well, so, he was looking for something else, but Google yeah. finished the, the yeah. word. <laughs> Did you mean analogous? Yeah. Yes. Analogous. Yeah. Yes, yeah. that's yeah. what I mean. Sure. Yeah. That's what he was looking for. <laughs> there. Oh. Nailed it. Very good. Um, they said anybody can do a quote from you know uh, a, a famous person or when they're doing an impersonation. Like you could say like, 
I need more cowbell. And, you know, people will understand what you're doing. <laughs> right. But when you try to actually have a different conversation like Christopher Walken, that's the, the true test. You know, I I could sound like Brian May, but if I, if I really have that down, I'll be able to play a different song and sound right. like Brian May. You'll be able to May. play Brian May playing jazz. Right. Yeah, which I've heard and it's really bad. Uh, well, you've t- we you've talked about that before Sorry, too, Mr. where May. it was like, um, like in the in like the Queen audition thing, like they somebody's gonna go in and they're gonna be able to play Killer Queen really really well, and then they're like, okay, now we want to hear Seven Seas of Rye, and they're like, fuck, I can't play Seven Seas of Rye because I only know how to play that. Seven Seas of Rye, nice choice, man. <laughs> Not a lot of people know Killer Queen, but not too many people know Seven Seas of Rye. We're, we're huge Queen fans oh, yeah. here. Um, oh. But in in that I know that voice documentary too, they they say that two things. It's one is like somebody anybody could go like, eh, what's up, Doc? But yeah. then like read the read the yellow pages as Bugs Bunny or right. you know something. But when you try and do an impression of somebody, you wind up making like a third voice, <coughs> like a, it's like a impre- personality smoothie. Yeah. <laughs> so like you'll try and do like walk in, and then your walk in will be bad, but then that'll be an- like another a new third character. Voice, right. That'll be some sort of third. Thing so when you're trying to uh, emulate Brian May, you might come up with like some other weird lick, yeah. you know, and be like, "Wow, that's," and people will be like, "That's Richie Castellano." I feel like right. we've all been through that though. It's like we're trying. Like I remember when I first started learning jazz, I would try so so hard to like just cop Ella licks, and seventy <clears throat> percent of the time I get it, and the other. 30, some other crap happened, and I'm like, oh, well, I'm going to beat myself up over it, but someone's like, oh, man, that sounds really cool, you know, so we've all done that in different ways. Should we, since we're talking Who do you want to be, Andy? Um, actually... (laughs) (laughs) Let's change the subject. Okay, fucking Andy. (laughs) No, actually, it's funny, because I've been working on a secret project, maybe, possibly. He's he's miming his hands playing piano, as he says And I started, uh, like going back and just kind of like learning all these like bebop licks that I never really learned before and after I learned them I said why why did I learn them I, I already could play so it was kind of wait wait wait, wait. Go, rewind I'm missing the point of this well I, I had to record some jazz stuff yeah and I was like oh let me let me get some tasty bebop licks yeah so I learned some and then after I learned them I was like well I, I shouldn't have learned them because I was fine before Oh, so you think that learning, you're saying learning licks is not good? No, no. What are you saying? I don't, what I don't know point? what I'm saying. Brandy, what is the point he's but trying there to is, make? There is, there is something to that. No, because I was just copying people. and, oh, uh, and it was, like you're it was regurgitating. Like, yeah. So, you were, like, so your point is you were perfect before that and you sullied yourself by learning <laughs> other people's licks. You had to succumb to playing like other people. <laughs> He's not denying that he didn't say that. I didn't say that. I think I know what you're trying to say, if I may. Yeah. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I think w- maybe what you're trying to say is that if you study something too much where it comes out, like you're just repeating it instead of yes. making like I sounded like a student. It. Right, yeah. like you're just like taking out of this bag of licks that you know, and you're like, mm, I'll put this right here, and meh, I'll put yeah. that right there. <laughs> instead of like just playing, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Should we try to play a, a, a jazz number <laughs> while we're on the subject? What Speaking of not regurgitating you know, stuff, we're going to cover a song now. <laughs> <laughs> well, Vin, I know you're not versed in the dark arts of jazz, so I'm, I won't, if, you know. Is it, is it that obvious? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, Vin, you, like me, you are a rock and roll musician, so that, that's okay, you know. They, uh, they don't teach rock and roll in the in the colleges, so I had to pretend to play jazz for a few years. That's all. But you know what? I I I I liked learning it. You know, I. But here's the other I, thing: I if cheat. you don't like dedicate your whole life to playing jazz, like I don't really consider myself a jazz. Like Pat Metheny is a jazz guitar player. Right. 
You know, that's all he does. And he's incredible. But like 95% of other guitar players, sorry, I just hit your symbol. Uh, <laughs> 95% of other jazz guitar players, in my opinion, are just like not quite there. And I'll put myself in that category. Like I can speak the language, but he's I like a call myself like a... Jakey you don't Lee. necessarily live there. I'm not at jazz <laughs> yeah. guitar. Like I can play jazz if I have to, but... You know what the thing is? And, you know. and maybe I can, I can probably vouch for other guitar players because uh, when I play something, it, someone else would tell me like, Oh man, you play that jazz stuff, and I'm like, "What are you fucking kidding me?" No, do you know what it is? You're playing into notes past the seven. That's what it is. But another thing is, like, I feel like as a guitar player, it's because especially guitar players in particular, we have this vocabulary, this very pentatonic rock and roll vocabulary that we all share. We all have it, right? Would you agree on that? Oh. And then, and then, when you hear any guy who's better at jazz than you, they're a, they're a jazz guitar player. Once That's all they that, do. Once you put that flat six in there, oh, it's like this, it's like that George Carlin skit of like driving on a highway and anyone that's driving slower than you is an asshole, <laughs> and everyone that's driving faster than you is a maniac. And you're like, look at that asshole, look at that maniac. <laughs> that's exactly what it's like. That's kind what it's like, like to drive in a car with me. Yeah. So, so Hanan, so Hanan will play things that I would have no, uh, you know, and never even think to play. That are beautiful and like, wow, what a great jazz guitar player. But he's like, I'm not a jazz guitar player. And then, you know, he'll hear someone else who knows four more jazz licks than him, like, wow, that guy can really play bebop. You know? I'm like, like a, I'm like a studio guitar player who who will fake his way through what's necessary. You have to be able to. If you're mm. a studio guitar player, you have to do an uh, and you know what the other thing is? Because it's 2015, you don't have to worry about having to play extended guitar solos. The most you have to do is like two bars of something and you're done. So if you have like, you know, three licks in each genre. You're great. <laughs> I think it's really important for if you're gonna, you know, do music as a lifestyle choice. I, I just feel like you should ha- be somewhat versed in jazz. I mean, there's, there's just so much of it in everything that we're listening it's to. It's so important. It, it is. I mean, even if it's just for like the advanced harmony lesson, you know, because that's really what it is. Most of the music that we're listening to, when we say, when you know, someone says, "Oh, that sounds jazzy," it's like, no, there was just a major seven guys. There's a ninth in there. There's a ninth in there. Oh my gosh, it's jazz. (laughs) All jokes aside, like one of my favorite things to do ever is just go home, make a cup of tea, and open up a fake book and just play it for like two hours. No TV, no radio. Yeah, I love doing that. Um, let's pick a tune. I have the iRealBook app on. Man. And this is, yeah, I, I have the harmonic matrix of this song. On. <laughs> Jazz is just Misty? people playing the wrong notes at the wrong time. You know Misty? Sure. Let's play Misty. Because you know Misty. that song. <laughs> well, that C? Well, I, I uh, E flat. Are you doing E flat? You want to do E flat? Yeah, yeah, I can give you the chords here. No, C is fine. C is fine. C is, C is friggin' fine, guys. What key do you do? In, oh, Amory's like, I do it in any key. <laughs> I play everything in C. The people's key of C. <laughs> Says the piano player. So you want this in C? Amory? No, do it in C. It's fine. Okay, I'm gonna... I'd rather it not be in E flat. E flat's original. I know it in E flat, but since I'm a good musician, I can transpose on this app. <laughs> it tells me, it tells me all the right chords to play. By poking this button. <laughs> Be careful. Some of those changes are whack, man. Well, that's, that's what I mean. Watch I, them whack changes. I do a lot of solo gigs, so I'll just make up the chords. To so it's, it's Misty 2.0. So, yeah, so it's Misty with You're like, making it your own, man. Yeah, it's, like mis- it's like Misty with the New York State of Mind chords. <laughs> <laughs> That's the jazziest I get. The Chateaubriand is delicious tonight. Okay. Is that too low for you? No. 
Okay, can we do, can we do, um, would you mind doing I... just the first verse with you two guys? Is yeah. that okay? Sure. Come on, Anne Marie. Yeah, this is be pretty. An Anne Marie. Oh. Making words. I get it. No, just a. Okay. No cameras yet. Dude, I freaking love your tone. <laughs> Sounds really good. Stop I, complimenting him. Watch your no, tone. I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry. Watch your tone. <laughs> watch your tone, son. Look at me. I'm as helpless as a kitten up a tree. It feels like I'm clinging to a cloud I can't understand I get misty Just holding your Wander through this wonderland alone 
That airline song. <laughs> United. We got it. We got it. <laughs> that was Ambry. That was beautiful. Hanan. Whoa. That was freaking that was awesome. Woo-hoo! You are a, few, a jazz guitarist. There's a few. There's a few. Uh, Whoopsies in there, but I think for the most part we had it. You too. Called jazz. Well, can, can I tell you something funny? Um, when I did, because uh, I had our mutual friends uh, Al Cardi and Randy Jenkins on the oh, show. Oh yeah, and they're amazing musicians. They're brilliant. Now they they played jazz unbelievably, and and I'm listening to it, and I'm like, this, the stuff they're doing is so over my head. So I sent them an email like, guys, this sounds awesome, but I don't know if what you're playing is great or a mistake so just tell me if there's a mistake and I have to like you know fix something just re- <laughs> just repeat it <laughs> just, just do it again yeah. they were playing like five bars before you even got there yeah, it's like they were crazy. playing into chords that you hadn't even dreamed yet <clears throat> I kind of want to play another you know one. the Randy you know the Randy's equally as amazing on piano as he is on drums yeah I hate him <laughs> <laughs> he's really nice in F too yeah <laughs> he you know, he did, when I had him on the show, he's like, oh, you're going to bring me out of retirement. I'm like, retirement? From what? You're a year older than me. He's like, I don't play drums anymore. I said, well, please? You know, and, and he came guy. on. He was great. But he uh, killed. I don't believe that he's in full drum retirement. And maybe he doesn't play as much as he used to. But. I don't know. <laughs> that dude is gifted. He really is. All those great guys. Al Cardi, Randy, yep. Chris Kuffner. Great guys, man. Awesome. Um, do you want to do, do, do something that's not like really, uh, what? Loungy? Like Bobby? Donna Lee. Yeah. <laughs> you know Donna Lee? Yeah. Donna Lee! Don't do it too fast. To do, you, do you know Donna Lee? If, if not, you can lay out and we'll do this a trio. I can give you the chords if you want, but it's fast. But it, it's a little, I mean... Don't kill me. I haven't played it in a while, but I, I haven't played it. Or you could just do, do like a change. No, no, you could do. You could blow yeah. through every single head written over <laughs> rhythm changes. <laughs> and I was like, challenge. <laughs> I told you I like martial arts. <laughs> Can you see this, Vin? Yes. Is it in C? It's in A flat. <laughs> a flat might as let's, well be C. Uh, let's let's go to the chords oh, real yeah, quick. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what tempo do you like it at, Hanan? It has to be that fast to come to the stage. What? I can't sing that for the life of me. Uh, Donna, Donna Lee, it's happened to me. I'm riding on my face and I just cannot hide it. Donna Why is it so hard on bass? Alright, Mush is going to save the joke one more time. time in case you missed it. What's the, what's the joke I missed? Donna Lee, it's, it's happening to me right in front of my face. Richie and I, I just was a <laughs> You're so funny. Go ahead. Donna Lee. Play, play your jazz notes on the end. You know what? Uh, you know about that guy that goes to Japan and uh, and he and uh, he's on the bandstand, uh, and this guy is like, "Can you play a jazz chord?" So he's like, "A jazz chord? I, I don't know." Like, 
So he plays, you know, like a D sharp nine. He's like, no, 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 can you play a jazz chord? So the guy is like, oh, that's pretty jazzy. I don't know. Can you? So he plays like some kind of slash chord thing. And he's like, no, 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 no. Can you play a jazz chord? So the guy's like, oh, that's pretty jazzy. I don't know. He plays some really out shit. And the guy's like, no, 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 no. I jazz chord to say. <laughs> that is a love joke. Oh, my God. Wow. There's, there's Drop two, the mic. There's two stories I want to tell. I want to tell real quick because it, uh, it involves mutual acquaintances or mutual teachers. Yeah. Um, do you remember our teacher Jim McElwain? How can I forget Jim McElwain? <laughs> uh, Jim McElwain was probably the you know one of the most influential guys in our uh, college. I'd second that. Um, and he was telling a story. He was hired as a uh, tenor sax player on a wedding, as you know many of us have done, and. The band leader says, listen, when I point to you, you play the melody, you know what I mean? You play the parts in the songs. I have one rule, no jazz. So <laughs> he goes, all right. He goes, I don't want to hear any, you know, Charlie Parker. I don't want to hear any Coltrane. I want to hear just play the melody to the song, play a nice solo sometimes, play the horn parts, no jazz. Okay. So the problem is he didn't know what keys, and they did everything in different keys. <laughs> so they start whatever song they're doing, maybe like Cherokee or something, right? And he's playing like a half step off, and the band leader comes running up and goes, No jazz! No jazz! <laughs> Hanan's story was funnier than yours. <laughs> it was. It was. <laughs> and the other one is, uh, did you take, because um, I know we sort of did the same thing when we were in college. I took production, but I like, you know, finagled some jazz classes in there. Were you able to take like yeah, repertoire yeah. and stuff like that? Yep. yep. One of the songs I... Um, we had to do in repertoire was Donna Lee. Mm-hmm. And I remember just like getting the metronome out and like learning how to play that. Cause it's, it's very, this is a very tough song to play. It's one of those like ball buster, you know, finger stretcher mm-hmm. type of songs. And I remember practicing. I'm like, all right, this is going to be cool. And, and our teacher, Doug Monroe, mm-hmm. you had Doug too, right? I actually had, uh, uh, Charles Blenzig. Oh, Blenzig. Yeah. Blenzig was fun. You dig. <laughs> <laughs> but I think when we did Donna Lee, Doug was teaching and he's like, all right, guys, ready? And it was like me, like two trumpet players, like three sax players, a piano player, maybe a trombone player, and, and a bass player. It's like, okay, everybody, melody, one, two, one, two, three, four. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, that is sloppy head right there. <laughs> <laughs> Because this is like it, this song is so hard to play. It's so fast, and then when you when you add more than like two people playing the melody, this it's it. chaos. It sounds it. like the word flub is happening yeah. over and over. <laughs> 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 I remember John Faddis would do that, and he he had his uh, uh, repertoire class, and he would wear these like really ugly wingtip shoes, and he'd be like. Uh, Hi guys, blues. One, two, one, two, three, four. Cats like wouldn't even walk in the door yet, and like people were, like scrambled to get the instruments out of the, out the bag. So it was pretty bad. <laughs> I like I, two, one, two, three, four. I never had Fattis as a teacher, but I I was I was afraid of him because he's like this like hot shit. You know, he's an, an amazing musician, and I just like saw him in passing, and I I never had any interactions with him until um uh, I had to record him. Uh, we I recorded the purchase jazz department's 10th anniversary album that's a good album you did that i did that. i enjoyed that well thank you very much all right nice one man <laughs> that's live to two mm. um and that was good thank you yeah, that was real good and i recorded it with my friend phil maffa we we both engineered it 
And um, butcher. Yeah, the butcher. That's I got to get him on here. I've been trying. Uh, Fine man. That's right. So we we're recording, and I have like here's a you'll know this because you're an engineer. Mm-hmm. I had a 421, mm-hmm. a Sennheiser 421. Sennheiser. It's right. <laughs> <laughs> and and I had all the sax players around it, and it sounded like ass. I mean, look, that's a great microphone, no problems with it, but not the greatest microphone for smoothing out a saxophone section. Or ensembles. Yeah, right. So they were all around it, and I had all these you know, guys come over to me and say, that's not my sound, man. <laughs> and then uh, Faddis walks in. He goes, you the engineer? I said, yeah, and he hands me a case and then walks in. I'm like, what the fuck is this? I open the case. There's like a beautiful vintage Neumann in there with its own like you know, preamp and power supply. I was like, all right. So I plugged the thing in. I put it up in front of him. He played. It sounded like the most beautiful, amazing, sweet sound. And everybody else sounded like ass. Angry ducks. And I go, everybody, um, move away from that mic and move in front of that other mic. Gravitate <laughs> towards the Norman. Yeah. Let's let's put that mic away. And you and then so we did his session and he was about to leave. And and the balls on me for asking him this, I'm like. Um, Mr. Fattis, sir. I was like, can I please borrow your microphone? Why did His, you turn into Miss Piggy? Because I was a nervous fat kid. That's why. So, so he became a lady in that moment. Who are you picturing when you're doing that voice? What, myself. Who is that? It's not you. You know, rumor has it. Rumor has it that John Fattis took a vow of silence. But now, here's the twist. Supposedly, I wasn't there because this was, I think, in the 70s, but supposedly... Uh, he didn't tell anyone before doing this. <laughs> so, like, cats thought he was really mad at them. That's, that, that's the story I heard. And, you know, he was, like, one of the busiest guys in New York, so he took a vow of silence, and he would just show up to sessions and not say anything. <laughs> and I don't, know, I don't know if he told his wife or not. I think his wife didn't know. I, I don't want to misquote, you know, the story, but... So he did take a vow of silence, according to a few people, like during the seventies or eighties, and just stopped talking for a year and didn't tell anyone. And he, he, he did it. He followed through with it. He followed through, and after years, like, oh yeah, I wasn't talking for you. <laughs> That's so out. I he love. He couldn't that. have written that on a piece of paper. <laughs> like hold on, come on, walking out with a sign. I think that was part of the, of the thing. Like <laughs> oh, just not tell, Yeah, like just don't tell anybody and just stop talking. That's hardcore, man. That's really intense. I couldn't do that. So either. kudos to him for I, seeing that through. And kudos to him for lending this, you know, young kid his microphone. He did his beautiful, it? He, yeah, he said, yeah, he goes, take care of it and give it back to me when you're done. No I, way. Yeah, he, he just he just, he left <laughs> me with it. I couldn't believe it. I never, I never met the guy before. I just asked him very nicely. And I think I think he was more surprised with the balls that I had to ask him for it. Because like, now Respect. if I put another mic up in, on this session, it's going to sound like shit. It's like, I've, I've, here's the bar. You know what I mean? Like when you're doing an album, you have to say, here's the bar and nothing else can sound worse than this song. That's it. So, you know, I said, can I use your microphone? I'll, I'll, you know, I'll be responsible for it. If something happens to it, you know, I'll borrow money to pay, pay you back. To, but he, you know, he lent it to me and it, he saved my ass. So, very nice of him. Yeah. And then the other thing. He He's not do, such a bad guy after all, man. <laughs> well, when I, I, you know, I have, I had very bad sinus problems when I was, I had very bad sinus problems when I was in college. <laughs> Who are you picturing when you're doing that imitation? <laughs> I had very bad sight. Who is that? Eddie Vedder. That's you this time. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and I used to like blow my nose and John Faddis would run in the room and go, who's playing trombone? <laughs> so nothing strange. Okay. And now on that note, here's Donna Lee. 
Are we doing are, it? All right. Want to go through it? Yeah, let's try it. Why not? Let's do it. Let's do it real slow first. How about that? No, no. Yeah, no, I just do it. I want to learn the melody. <laughs> one, two. A one, two, three. Yeah. Uh-huh. 
I think that's good enough. I want to I want to point out something really quick. I want to thank Vinicente for being here because today's a very big day for him as a Met fan. What's happening right now? Uh, currently six one. Six one Mets. All right. And if the Mets win this game, they're in the World Series. In the World Series. Yes. And when was the last time that happened? Two thousand. Two thousand. So it's been a long time. Wow. Good for you, man. I didn't do anything, but thank you. Thank you. <laughs> How's Gary Carter doing? He's still uh, still dead. Still, oh, he's dead? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. That's fucking terrible, man. Still dead, thank you. Horrible. What about Daryl Strawberry? He's alive. Keith Hernandez. <laughs> Keith is, is alive. Anyway, are back they, back to music. Well thank this you. Year? Um. So the question I was asking now, when I was in school, I was studying engineering and production, and I. Barely played guitar except to play the the odd cover gig here or there. Um, I was very surprised when I got a gig playing guitar. I never thought that was going to happen. I just sort of like put that in my head. Why? Because, so you, you know, I just didn't think it was realistic. You know, I thought that you had to, you know, you had to be into a certain kind of music and you had to look a certain way and play a certain way and it just none of that was me. And then... I found a workaround by joining a classic rock band with guys that were older than me. I was like, "Hey!" <laughs> but I, I wasn't expecting that to happen, and it just—I I said, "Okay, I'm going to be, you know, in front of a computer screen behind the console." That's when what I first doing. saw your Queen uh, Bohemian Rhapsody cover, I was like, "Okay, this guy is going to be huge." <laughs> Thank you. No, it's true. And I remember Bradley Brookshire, oh, our I love Bradley. professor of. Uh, music history. Music history. That's right. And also the most badass harpsichord player I've ever seen. No, he's incredible. Um. I remember he was like, this is the most incredible thing I've ever seen. And he was like showing it to everyone. And I was like, yep, it pretty much is. When, when did you graduate purchase? Oh, four. Oh, so you came in. So you're, are you younger than me? I'm 35. I'm 31. Okay. 32. So you, I'm 32. You were, so we were there. I'm 32. We were there together for probably a year then. Yeah. Um, but I came back because I was actually teaching a little bit. So I would come back and like do stuff. And I think you were teaching for a little yeah, bit too. So I, yeah. we were like. Do you know, you want to know why I stopped teaching? This is a really funny story. Because um, you could do. <laughs> I had this, I went up this, uh, <laughs> I knew this, uh, I got a call for an audition. There was this band uh, who was going to go out on tour. They got signed to a record label. They had a deal. And they want to go out. They wanted to go out on tour. And this was around the time of 9/11. And the guitar player freaked out and said, "I'm not getting on a plane." Oh man! He he got really nervous. So they had this whole tour scheduled and no guitar player. So I knew a friend who worked for the record company and said, "Hey, I know a band. All the people are pretty much your age." And because I think I was like you know I was 21 at the time. Right. And they said, uh, "Okay, um, we want you to audition to be the guitar player." So and the stuff was really tricky. Um, like the guy who was on the record, it was like a punk band, but the guitar player was like Randy Rhodes. You know oh, what I mean? God. So the stuff was tricky. So I like did my homework. I shed it. I got it, and I went into this record exec's office, and and I played. He said to me, "Now here's the thing: if you're gonna audition for something like that, over preparation is a good thing because even though they might tell you every audition I've ever been on, even though they might tell you they only want you to learn three songs, that's a trap." They, you, you should learn more songs. Learn everything. Yeah. So I learned the whole album. The guy said, Just okay. don't learn Donna Lee. Yeah. Because you're not getting the gig. You're not getting the gig. Um, so I learned the whole album. The guy, the guy said, what three songs did you prepare? I was like, just drop the needle, bro. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like any, any song. So I played a few for him. He goes, okay, you know, 
if this was a, if this, if we lived in a better world, you would have this gig. But the problem is, you look like a college professor. That's what he said to me. He goes, so, and these guys, they look like you know professor. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, well, because he, he asked me like, what do you do now for a living? I was like, I teach a, I teach at a college. He goes, well, you, you look like a college professor because I had like a sweater and khakis and I was you know a lot heavier than I am now. And uh, the guy said, the problem is you look like that, and I can't hire you for this band. They all they all look like you know. You know, heroin chic punks, sort of, and, and you'll just stick out like a sore thumb. He goes, so musically you got the gig, but I can't hire you. And the guy was not not a dick about it. He was like, you know, he was honest about it. And I and I thought like, wow, you know what? I gotta turn my shit around. I can't I can't uh, you know I I can't be doing this right Women now. Women face that all the time. <laughs> yeah. In everything. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous, but it's it's interesting to see that it happens for men too. Yeah. You wouldn't can, imagine that. Can I tell you a funny audition story that's that's very similar to that? Yeah. When I was in Chicago, uh, a buddy in the band, you were in the band Chicago. <laughs> yes. Because I love your stuff. <laughs> love your work, man. We're totally doing a Chicago song after the story, but going. <laughs> um, a buddy of mine from college, Alex, was a casting Sorry. director, and they were starting up the national tour of Wicked. So um, he said, do you want to, he said, the, they'd done the auditions, but do you want to go in and, and audition for the director himself? I was like, of course I do. So I went down to like his office and it was like an office and like a keyboard set up and just like me and him. Mm-hmm. So they told me what to prepare for it and I sing. And then um, anybody who's listening who knows the musical Wicked, it was for the role of Bach and they, uh, who was one of the little munchkin dudes. And um the the girl who was who plays opposite him, uh, Nessa, was also in the building, like signing something. So like she's gonna come down and she's gonna sing with you too. Do you know this song also? I was like, yeah, absolutely. So we sang together and we did it like a couple times and then they made us sing a couple of different things. And they're like, all right, right on. Um, he's like, I, I really like the way your voice sounds, um, you know, but I don't think you're right for this tour. Mm-hmm. Um, but he goes, but I'm gonna keep you in mind. And in about six months, we're gonna be like re-upping like the ensemble. He goes, so uh, if you just you know, make a mental note and, and, uh, you know, call me in six months and you can come back in and he goes, and I definitely think we can get you in the ensemble. Oh, cool. And I was like, Oh cool. Thank you. I was like, I really appreciate it. And I'm leaving. He goes, yeah. Cause it's weird. You kind of sound like a black guy a little bit when you sing. <laughs> and I also thought you were going to be a little bit thinner. Okay. Bye. <laughs> and, like, the door, and then the door closed and I was like, okay, bye. What, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> um, but my, anyway, my question to you in this long roundabout story I'm telling is, where did – so it sounded like you had your plan and I'm going to be an engineer. I'm going to be behind the console. And obviously you're a burning guitar player. But when did that happen for you? Like did you – when did you start you know, playing guitar with people? Honestly, I had a fear of poverty. <laughs> <laughs> well, what do you mean? Like, like uh, elaborate on that. I tried to wear as many hats as I possibly could. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it goes down. You know, let me backtrack a little bit. My dad told me, he said, look, man. If you, <coughs> I gotta get this cough together. Excuse me, excuse me. <laughs> My dad said, if you want to be into music, that's cool, and you should keep playing and, and pursue the artistry of it, and that's really important and awesome and all the good stuff. But if it's gonna be a profession, learn how to do something. Learn how to make a product. Mm-hmm. Learn how to make something from A to Z. And I was like, well, I really like making records. He goes, perfect. Why don't you pursue that as well as as the actual music making mm-hmm. and see if you can marry those together so you can make a product like you know a lot of guys are incredible musicians but they find themselves begging for gigs or or doing things like what we, you guys just told like mm-hmm. you know it's not a meritocracy out there so yeah. i figured if i could con- you know you control what you can so if i can control a little bit more um 
Is it, what's going on back there? Nothing. He's got a buzz in his cans. Sorry. I was telling him it was okay. Good. Uh, I'm yeah. So I'm sorry. Going with your story. No, no. I want to make sure they're all sorted out, man. <laughs> I'm a man of the people. So you guys, good. He's got so, a buzz in his cans. All right, man. So in in the interest of just being a completionist, like and and having a complete knowledge of of every right. aspect that goes into music, right. you pursued the recording thing as and that that's funny because well, that's like your professional thing. Like that's that's your fallback almost. Well, well not not really because I'm really passionate about it, you right. know. And it was also, you know. Part of it, you know, it's there's there's always more than one reason for everything. So, like another reason why I got heavy into the engineering thing was because, um, <coughs> excuse me, as I got better at playing, I started doing record dates, and I found it really difficult to communicate what I wanted to hear absolutely to the engineer. So I was like, well, what happens if I move this knob and that knob and that? And before I know it, I was kind of getting my hands on things, and I got to set up at home and be, you know. One you, thing about to another. Have a, uh, home recording setup. Oh yeah, it's Pro great. Tools? Uh, actually, yeah, I mean I have Pro Tools, but I have all kinds of stuff at home. It's more. What like do you prefer to work on? Logic, actually. Nice. I love Logic. Um, but I have a big analog setup at home. It's really pretty, yeah, it's pretty sweet. What's what do you, what kind of analog gear do you have? Um, so I have a. It's based around a Shadow Hill, uh, Equinox, but I have a whole summing and a controller thing that I, I helped build. Wow. With a friend and yeah, it's it's pretty sweet. That's awesome. Um, you know, I I totally get you with that guitar. The problem is once you're a guitar player who knows how to engineer, it's very very hard to sit behind the glass and just play. Like it's like if I was sitting in front of my computer right now, I could finish this in two seconds. Right. But yeah. you know, it's kind of fun too. Like the other thing is, I love collaborating. So I said before, you control what you can. But right. it, you know, it's also really nice to collaborate with people who are amazing. And I've learned so much. Because I, I, I do, you know, different things, I get to learn from a lot of people. Meaning, if I'm hired as a guitar player, I might watch an engineer who is amazing and I say, oh, wow, I didn't know that. So I check him out as a guitar player. Or I might see someone who's horrific and say, I'll never do that. <laughs> or, you know, as an engineer, I see yeah. a guitar player come in who's got an amazing sound. So I'll cop this and cop that. Or vice versa, if someone is... You know, I had a guitar player the other day that was abysmal. It was like the worst stuff you've heard, out of tune. But then he did this like amp, you know, like uh, atmospheric, like ambient stuff that was really cool. So I was like, hey, you know, not everything has to be in tune. It's like different things might work for a specific section that you, you know, we wouldn't get to because we know sort of uh, the correct way we of, know, of yeah, playing. Right. One way of doing but it. But you learn things from other people that are just you know, in their own space. Like, everyone's got a different approach, which is amazing. I love having different hats that I can wear and watch other people do little pieces of, of my universe, if that makes any sense whatsoever. It does. Do you ever... Now, here's the other side of that. Are you ever engineering and a guitar player comes in and it's like, dude, th- I, I would do this in 10 seconds and we're here for three hours. I mean, for, for you, you get paid for it, but, you know, you get paid for your time. But did you ever have that feeling too? The politically correct version would be like, no, you got to learn from everybody. But, but actually, yeah, it happens sometimes and it sucks. And then you just move on and you get a check and you go on to hopefully a better session. For, most of the time with recording, you're dealing with original songs. So it's like, all right, this, is, this, this guy is forging his own styles. That's fine. When, when I really experienced that was when I was doing live sound. Mm-hmm. That's really how I got into a lot of this stuff. I was doing a lot of live sound. Right. Um, and I'd be doing sound for like a cover band or something or a wedding band. And, 
you know, the big solo in a whole new world or living on a prayer would come up. Right. And I'm just sitting there like, dude, dude, <laughs> come on. Just dude. You know, that's all, that's all I'm thinking. Like, and that's when I sort of realized, like, I can't be doing this all the time. This is killing me. Well, you know, I used to, I used to treat guitar like a, like a, like a weapon. Like, oh, I'll show you how it's done. You know, that's like the, that young shit. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, as I, as I, I'm still on, like, I haven't got it all figured out. But <laughs> as I get older, I'm starting to see that, like, one thing that I used to maybe a few years ago think was inferior or not as good ends up being just a different approach, you know? Right. And <clears throat> what you might think uh, would be something that you're like, oh, I can nail this in two seconds. It's actually short-sighted because you end up missing subtleties that you wouldn't see otherwise. Um, so I've had those experiences, too, where I realized I was being a jerk. Because I jumped the gun and I was like, "Oh, I can knock that out," but really, like, there was someone who was very capable but was trying to go for a specific color or a specific texture. It's uh, I don't know. That's that grown-up stuff that I'm I'm figuring out day by day. I think that is. I think uh, what you said is very true about uh, a young being a young person's mentality. I remember I was in when when we were in a band with Ron Thal, who is awesome. Yeah. He, Bumble. We were we were in a cover, he was on the show. We were in a cover band with him, and 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 we had a lot of problems when we were in a cover band because of probably because the age gap. I was so much younger than him, and I was coming from a different headspace. And and he used to tell me, "You use you, you use music <laughs> as a fucking weapon. You think music is a is something to hurt people?" I'm like, "No, I don't use. Yes, you do." And I kind of understand what he was talking about. It's like you know you're you're so worried about being better than other people, but really you have to be better than you were yesterday. That's what you have to be better than is you. You know, you have yeah. to try to make yourself better than you were yesterday. That's that's what I, what I think. I know this this whole episode is like full of fortune cookies, man. It's like <laughs> Confucius. It's thing. all wisdom. All right. Well, I want to take a little uh, shift here. Um, now, when you the F is really important. <laughs> when did you? Um, <laughs> um, were you always into R and B? Among other things. Yeah, because it's it seems like that's. I mean. If one looks at your website or your discography or Wikipedia mm. page, there's a lot of R&B yeah. and, and hip-hop. I like the really soulful t- stuff. Yeah, yeah. That's for sure. That's like, you, would you say that's mostly what you like to play? In? Okay, we're going to stop the episode right there because we're about to get into the realm of R&B, and we're going to save that for next week's episode. So make sure you tune into episode 61 for part two of Hanan Rubenstein on Band Geek. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs>